Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. It's been too long to get them on the show, but finally got her. So today's guest is a provincial and national champion with both indoor and beach. She went on to play at Laurier University while they still had a team. She's representing Canada internationally, taking a ninth at Youth Worlds. She's an Orsica medalist, and you may recognize her from the Anok Games, where she represented Canada in the first ever four-on-four tournament, taking down a bronze medal with a few friends of the show. Please welcome Tori Cowley. Tori, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, we got a lot to get to. Let's uh, start from the top, though. Why volleyball? I'm sure growing up in kind of the West End of the GTA, there was a lot of options. What made volleyball the sport for you? Yeah, it's a good question. I um, I grew up playing soccer, actually, primarily. I think that's pretty common for a lot of athletes, actually, in the volleyball world. And I played soccer all summer and I played volleyball at my school. But I just remember having a like a really close connection with my coach, Mrs. Toby. I can still remember her name. I was in grade six. She was the grade seven volleyball coach. And I just remember having so much fun in like my gym classes and things like that. And I she allowed me to play on the team when I was in grade six. Um, and I just I remember having this like fascination with trying to keep it off the ground and and she just always kind of encouraged me to you know try my hardest and I, I loved it so it wasn't hard and yeah it was kind of from her that I got started and then once I once I realized how much I loved it um my parents got involved but neither one of them played volleyball growing up my dad like googled like you know I think he actually typed in like volleyball in Etobicoke and Etobicoke Titans came up that was like the first hit and uh we went, we, my dad messaged, his name was uh, David Pagnello, messaged Dave. He's like, hey, my daughter likes volleyball. She's interested in playing club. Can she come out? He told me to bring knee pads. And then the rest was history. I kind of fell in love with it over soccer at that point. And here we are. <laughs> Did you play up your first year club? Because I think a, a lot of people are spoiled today where there's like 11U or 12U. Like for you, you would have played on a 14U team, but you were you still pretty young? Yeah, I was in grade six. So I didn't, yeah, it wasn't actually, you know what? I, I think I, I remember playing in high school in grade six. So I'm pretty sure that I, my, I, I know that I played 17 and 18 you with Peel Selects, but I pretty sure I played four or five years before that with Titans. So I can't remember. I don't think it was, I don't think there was 11 and 12 you. I probably just played up at the lowest category, which was probably 15 you. I think so. I think it's definitely expanded since we were coming through, but uh, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. What made you decide to go to Peel? So you played a lot of years of Titans, but then you ended up with Peel Selects when you were like fighting for provincial and national championships, right? Yeah. So I, I was obsessed with volleyball. I loved it. And back then we used to, I forget the names, but you know, our, our Titans team, again, I've been really lucky to have some awesome coaches in my life, but I think I kind of, realized that I was like one of the top athletes on the team. And, you know, I was five foot seven, I was playing outside. And in my research, I was looking at the top teams and I, and I, I I wanted to be a part of that. And I was curious how I would fit in with like those types of athletes. And it was actually one of the hardest things I ever had to do. And I can remember it because I went to my club coach who you can imagine we all coach club now, how hard it is to see like one of your, I guess, like better athletes kind of leave but I went to Dave and I was like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, I really want to play on this other team because like, they're very, very good. And, um, he basically looked at me and he was like, I'll help you, <laughs> which was so nice of him. Um, he let me come in for extra practices. He helped me prepare for some trials that I was going to. And then I tried out for the other team 
Um, and I went to the open, like I went to one of the open tryouts for selects. And uh, I remember the coach there and I got really lucky again, another great coach, Pat Daniels. And he basically was like, you can be like our third outside or our starting libero. And I was like, I don't even know what that is, but I'm in like, I'll take, <laughs> I'll take any position on this team. I just want to be included in this group of, of athletes. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how that happened. <laughs> That's so awesome because, yeah, Dave's obviously still involved with Titans and doing great things. It was cool to see that, like, they didn't try to own you or say, like, that's a rival or anything to kind of encourage you to go there. That's an awesome story. So you get to Peel. Have you ever played Libero before? Did you know what it was? Like, did you miss attacking? Yeah, I did. But I it's a, I honestly don't even think I, I knew what it was. I It wasn't a thing in my mind. In my mind, I was, like, doing everything all the time and at my you know, on Titans, we were, I think we, I can't remember our actual results, but I think we came like ninth and stuff like that. So like, I knew that we were good, but we weren't like the best at Titans. So when I made that switch to selects, like I, it was really hard, but then the, like Pat did such a good job of, um, kind of explaining to me, like, this is your job now. And this is what you're going to have to do. And these are the girls that you're going to be competing against if you want to keep this position kind of thing. So I think he saw probably my individual strengths and what the needs of the team were and kind of blended it together. I didn't mind so much because of the way he approached it to me. He always let me hit still in practice and I was like still digging and serving and whatever. And then in the summer, like, you know, outside of your club season, I was playing beach like every single day, every single weekend, anywhere that I could. So, um, so yeah, it was still, I was still happy, you know, as an athlete because I was, I was still getting to do both in that sense. Um, but it was like at club, I got to play with these like giants and then like in beach, it was like almost taking what I learned from those bigger girls and then applying it in the sand in the summer. Nice. Nice. So, um, the listeners and I love a good name drop. So who were some of the athletes on your team and who were some of the athletes just in the OVA at that time that you were battling against? Yeah, it was, I actually have some hilarious memories, but the girls from my selects team. So you know, it was such a good group. When I think when I'm coaching now, I always try to recreate these kind of like feelings and memories with the girls that I'm working with, because they're all such like, they're just such a great group of girls. And I remember it being the best time ever. I'm still really good friends with a bunch of them. So there was like Maddie Molyneux. Um, she went to Hartford, I think, um, and played like down in the States, Amanda Cowdery. She was one of our outside Steph Ebrio was one of our setters. She went to Waterloo. Um, we called her Sandy, but her name was Alex. Uh, Lazarevsky. Um, she was one of our utility players. We had Jackie Alice, we had Kelly Frittenberg. It was honestly a stacked <laughs> team. And as you can imagine, these girls are all giants still. So um, yeah, pretty talented and lucky to be a part of that group. Awesome. And again, I have to preface it for the listeners. Beach wasn't a school sport at that time. So how serious were you taking beach or were you excited to go back between indoor and beach? Because obviously like you couldn't go to the NCAA and play beach. Like I don't even know if there was a provincial team at that time. So maybe the national team wasn't in your future. Like uh, obviously you were playing a lot, but when did uh, beach become like the serious thing you were going to focus on? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, there was no, there was no NCAA. That would have been a dream. And if I was in that situation now, I 100% would have gone that route. I played, well, I played indoor because I'm a student athlete <laughs> and, you know, it's important to get an education and make sure that you have something like that to support yourself. But I also didn't want to stop playing. I think that there's still so much that you can learn from the indoor game, even taking it to beach. So I wanted to keep myself in that environment. 
But I knew I could have told you, you know, when I was in high school that I wanted to focus on beach full time and, and make that my thing. There just wasn't a pathway for it. One of the biggest people that kind of stepped in because I was struggling with this a lot with my with my family, especially because I'm I know people can't see how tall I am, but I'm I'm five foot seven. Was like there was this. It's hard. It's harder to kind of find support. I think when you're not as tall. There weren't the people in my environment that could help an athlete like me. Um, I remember, you know, I, I did try out for Timo Beach three or four years in a row and I got cut every single year. And then at the end of that uh, summer, I remember I, I went to the Timo tryout. I got cut on my way out. I was talking with Christine Drake, who, you know, has been a longtime mentor to me. Um, and, uh, she was just like, don't worry, Tori, if you get your results, you know, like nothing else will matter kind of thing. And then a couple weeks, like a week or 10 days after that time that I got cut for like the third or fourth time, <laughs> I played in the U21 worlds trial trials or trials and ended up winning it. So it was like kind of funny because I, you know, got cut from my provincial team yet. I, I was good enough to compete for my country. Um, so at that point I was kind of like. I don't know. I, I was so used to people telling me no. And, and most of the reasons were based off of my height. But I can remember going to practices being like, there was drills set up and people were like, okay, like we're going to do like a continuous drill and you have to hit hard. And I remember just being like, I can't, <laughs> I, I will never be able to hit hard. Like I want to learn how to do like a, like a heavy jumbo combo or a line snowball and a line roll or something where I can, you know, like that, that plays into my strengths as an athlete. And it just wasn't, you know, and I'm not, it's no one's fault. It just really wasn't there uh, to support someone like me at that time. So I had to kind of figure it all out on my own. <laughs> yeah. Before we skip ahead to that beach stuff, I did want to touch on just your, your last few years at club there, because you guys were always battling for provincial and national championships. So was that something as a squad you talked about? Was that just something that came together because you were talented and it became like a, a late season focus? Like what was the attitude or expectations around those results? It was in our blood. It was in everything that we did. I can remember it like it was yesterday. Um, like every single practice was, from what I remember, intense, hard, had a purpose, had a focus. Um, everyone was on the same page. Everyone wanted to be there. It was so obvious what our goals were from the beginning to the end. If somebody missed something, they were actually missing it because they couldn't be there. <laughs> like they were ill or had broke something, which was terrible. Um, it was, yeah, it was a really special group. I remember Pat saying that to us, like whether it was before provincials or nationals, we did this, um, like a team bonding thing with a cake and we all put our names and our numbers on it. It was, you know, to unify all of us and bring us together. And he kept saying how special we were as a group. And, um, yeah, it was, I don't know. It was just so when everybody has the same goal, you don't necessarily have to say it all the time, but it's it's led through your art. It was led through our actions and what we kind of did every single day. So you just kind of, it's really inspiring to be around a group of girls like that. Like, you know, they get to practice early. They're very serious about the drills. They want to know like how they can be better at everything. Like what the adjustments are. Nothing was done just like blase all, everything had a purpose. And um, yeah, it was just, it's just so fun to compete with girls like that. I remember being in passing drills with like Amanda and Maddie and the three of us would look at each other like and say, we'll see you when I'm going to pass three before you pass a three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll see about that. But it was always so healthy. It wasn't like in a negative way ever. We were just so competitive with ourselves that it kind of just built us even more as a team. So with 
so many athletes uh, on that club team going on to play post-secondary. What were some other schools you were looking at or what made you choose Laurie at the time you did? <laughs> uh, so funny story. I actually um, was thinking of playing soccer, even though I was playing club at this time. I really wanted to play beach volleyball at the same time, but my, you know, my parents had no background in this. Um, they were reaching out. I think my dad actually at the time, like even reached out to like Jesse Elliott because Jesse was one of the top um, beach players at the time. And he was like, hi, I have a daughter that like loves volleyball. Like what would you do for training? And I, Jesse was so sweet and even like wrote my dad back and was like, training in Brazil. And like, I almost went to that. Um, and then basically I decided that I had some family stuff going on and I think I wanted to stay home a little bit more just because my, my, my dad wasn't feeling as well. And I decided to go to school at Laurier, but I always knew that I wanted to play beach, but I picked Laurier because it was close. It had a good program. Um, but I did. The only person that actually kind of recruited me for volleyball was Christine Drake. <laughs> And, um, you know, she, like, as I said, has been a longtime mentor for me. And I think she just kind of laid out what it would look like for me at U of T. Um, but I think my parents really wanted me to go there. And, you know, when your parents kind of want you to do something and then you're like, I don't want to do that because my parents want me to do it. So I think I had a little bit of that kind of in my decision. So I went to Laurier because of my program and how close it was to Toronto um, so I could get back and forth from home and still train at the beach easy, easily. Um, and I went to the open tryout. So I actually, like, I think I Googled like volleyball tryouts, Laurier. And, um, I just went to the open tryout. And then again, I got really lucky with a great coach. Dave McIntyre was the head coach. And I'm pretty sure most people on this podcast would know who he is. He's a, I think he just won, uh, you know, nationals coaching his son, stuff like that. KW Preds. Um, and yeah, I basically went to the open trial and he was like, you, you come back. <laughs> He's like, we'll see you next week or whatever, for the next tryout. Um, and yeah, that was kind of how, how I ended up going there. Now it, it revisionist history at this point, but obviously by the time you graduated, you were a starter on that team. Like how soon did you start challenging for a role? Because I don't think it's uncommon for, for walk-ons to like contribute to their team, but I don't think, uh, especially Laurie at that time, I don't think walk-ons were starting very early in their careers, right? Yeah, I don't, yeah, definitely not. I mean, um, so when I got there, there was another athlete, Melissa St. Thomas, and she was actually, I think in her fourth year at the time, she was really, really good. Um, not just as a person, but as an athlete as well. And so I did have some pretty stiff competition kind of like coming in there, but because I was a walk-on, it was never, I don't know. It was kind of, I just, I, I love competing and I, I try to be as objective of, objective about things as I possibly can. And I think in first year, like she was better than me and, and she was able to reproduce things in certain situations that I couldn't, but I was studying it from the outside. And when I did get opportunities, I tried to always take them, um, you know, as much as I could. My job in first year was to come in and serve one ball, maybe a set for a whole year. And I have this conversation with athletes I coach all the time, like knowing your role on the team, because I could have easily looked at that and been like, oh, I'm only playing one point a set, maybe. But I took that ball and I was like, I'm getting an ace and I'm going to prove to everybody that I deserve more time here. Um, and I kind of just tried to build on that as much as I could. So in my first year, I totally understood, you know, like, and she was a fourth year, like a fourth year should be better than a first year, especially like she had many accolades, like accolades to kind of go with that. And she was a very talented athlete. 
And then in my second year, I think I got more playing time and, and more opportunity. Um, and then, yeah, by my third year, I, I think I had kind of like truly earned the position. Um, yeah, until pretty much I graduated after my fifth, fifth year. Now, did it help uh, with the other athletes on the team who were also pursuing beach? Because uh, I finally found a roster online, <laughs> thankfully. But uh, uh, Julie Gordon, Victoria Altamar, Alex Mingay all go on to focus on beach like yourself. Uh, uh, Tesca obviously went on to indoor focus, but there was future national team athletes on that squad. So did that make it easier for you to be like, hey, I want to practice beach next week. Do you guys want to come? Or at least like talking about planning or, hey, did you know this trials was coming up? Like, was there a lot of beach chat going on in the team room? Uh, there was a little bit. Yeah. Like I know it's funny. And on the men's side, you got Cam Wheel and Sam Schachter, you know, no big deal, but there was a lot of really talented athletes there from, I would say beach as well. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think I grew up in a really interesting time in, in beach volleyball because, um, it like, it wasn't, it wasn't spoken about like, because there wasn't much support around beach. I don't know if people wanted to talk about it a lot because they were like, if you hear about it, then you'll go and we can't go or we'll have to play for it or whatever. And it was so secretive. Um, but honestly, like the way I kind of always approached it was like, I looked stuff up. I figured out when it, like I was used to doing stuff on my own. I never had a kind of had a coach. I never had someone like tell me what to do for beach. So I would like look up the events. I would try to find, find a partner. I would organize training around that which is why I think Alex and I, you know, play together um, in the summer and at school and why we had as much fun as we did and were able to qualify for certain things because of our like indoor playing together and then transitioning that to the beach. I think, uh, I think I was in my, I might get the dates messed up, but I think I was in my third year when Julian V came as rookies. Um, and then we played that year out and then V went full-time beach, I think. And at that point I was like almost done my program. And I was like, I'm just going to like, you know, finish my program. Cause I, I heard that there was some talk of some of the beach athletes um, converting or switching their program from wherever they were to York and then trying to train full time at the center. But I was so close to finishing my degree. I was just like, I don't really want to switch to York for one year. I just want to finish my degree and kind of then I'll transition to full time beach. But then the team got deleted. <laughs> Yeah, before we jump to the the beach side here, because there is a lot to cover, how was that news delivered? Like my understanding of just being a fan of the OUA, it it came out of nowhere. But you being on the inside, was there ever a sense, or was it just kind of like business as usual? Everybody's talking about recruits and finishing your degree, and then all of a sudden you read on like the website that we're we're done. My friend on the basketball team told me. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even get an email. Um, I was, I was at home for the summer. So it must've been May or maybe early June. I was at my mom's house. Um, yeah. My friend from the basketball team called me and told me that they had cut the women and men's volleyball team at Laurier. So we had no idea. I actually had my, I don't know what you call it, like an exit meeting as a graduating player with the athletic director. Never said anything to me. Didn't even bring it up. It was like, you know, how was your season? Did you enjoy the coach? Blah, 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 stuff like that. Never even brought up for one second that the team, you know, was in jeopardy. Wow. And then when you finally did hear the news, what was the rationale for canceling the program? Because like you said, both the men's and women's teams were successful. There was national team athletes coming through there. Like it was a good program. It wasn't like you guys were going O for every year and it just, that's why it got canceled. Like it was a good competitive team. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it was money. Um, which I remember 
people trying to scrounge up like it was just so so after the fact which was really sad like I wish if it actually was a money thing which I think is what they were saying to us like that they had told us in advance because then they could have done something about it right like preventatively but even after the fact I even I think we had sponsors or parents or something that were willing to pay to help it but they still said no so that's all I really kind of know from my side of things it's really a shame because it's such a such a big sport like volleyball it's it's I don't know I I think there's smaller sports which not that they're less important but it just is such a big sport to cancel and so publicly with men and women um yeah it was it's like I you know we have provincials now that I'm coaching and they go to Rim Park and it's it's always such a I don't know like a not a sour place but like it's always hard to go back because I'm happy and excited because I'm like oh yeah well, I really love this place and then you're like oh yeah there's no volleyball team anymore and you know <laughs> all of our memories have been <laughs> deleted or taken away and um so yeah it was it was really tough honestly being a member a graduating member on that team I wish that there was better closure with it. And then we never really got that, which is unfortunate. So to switch gears to the beach thing, uh, you touched on this earlier where um, your name doesn't get called for the provincial team, but they're for the youth events, it's a trials tournament. And if you win, you get to go. So um, did that ever kind of deter you from going? You're kind of like, Oh, I didn't make the provincial team. I don't know if I'm going to try out for worlds or did that excite you that you're like, Hey, if we win, I, I still get to go. Like this isn't a selection. This is very evaluation friendly. The winner gets to go. Yeah, I think it fired me up more than anything else. I was so used to um, people telling me I was short that that was my reason for why they wouldn't take me. And then I was like, okay, now I'm going to go win. Like, I don't know. I think my my dad really helped me a lot with that because he had like a heart condition growing up. And so he wasn't able to play sports. So he would spend a lot of time with me, like kind of processing things. And it was really tough to be honest because my, my parents were like my number one supporters. And I remember my dad being so upset that I had been cut for whatever the 10th time or third, third time, little exaggeration. Um, but I my, my dad was just like, I don't get it. Like she keeps winning. Like, why do you keep like, you know, cutting her or whatever. And so I had to beg him for the money to go to that trials because I was like, dad, please let me go. Like, I know I can win this. Like this one is with like, I can control this one. You know, it's not up to anyone else except me. And my dad literally wrote me a check for $150 because that was how much it cost to go to the tournament. He, I can, I can see him like ripping it off his little like checkbook thing. And he handed it to me. He's like, this is the last time I ever write a check for Volleyball Canada. <laughs> 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 and I snapped it out of his hands faster. And then I ran out the door and I was like, thank you. Bye. And he didn't even come to the tournament. It was too stressful. Like he was just like, I'm done with this. Um, and I, and then the best part was that, my mom ended up coming because my mom, you know, can't help herself. She's always got to be there. And then after we called my dad, I was like, dad, guess what? And he was like, what? I'm like, we won. We're going to England. <laughs> and he was like, of course, the one time you don't come. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, like, like I said, I try to be objective. Like for me, I, I kept questioning when I was younger. It's really hard when you're winning and people are telling you you're not good enough. Like it just, it didn't make sense to me. And I think I developed this skill when I was younger on my own, where I was like, if I can put the ball down like over there and it's worth the same amount of points, if you hit it straight down, then like, if I could just, you know, get really good at doing what I'm good at, then that should be enough to like beat these people kind of around me. 
So I don't know. It was just, it was an interesting thought process for sure. But it, I think I, maybe I would have developed more or at a different rate or pace if I had more support, but I really didn't have anyone um, that, you know, kind of did that for me until much later in my life. <laughs> yeah. Take me through that summer because uh, trials, I think were pretty early on, but then you and Kayla would go and continue success. And I think he won provincials that year. Like, and I think England was a weird time of year. Was it not in the fall or like a, a little bit later in the year? So you still had like your Ontario season and then got to go to youth worlds there in the fall. So what was the prep like? What were the nerves like? Or did you feel like you had arrived because you get to represent Canada? Like just take me through that, that summer after the trials. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. The, yeah, the trials were earlier. And then I remember that we played nationals. We won and then we had to go to the airport. We almost didn't make our flight because um, of the tournament. So it was a really fun way to kind of like end our season. But yeah, there's definitely like, I don't know. I remember going to, after we won the trials, I remember going to Beach Blast and there was a coach there and he, and it was like Jason Trepanier. And he was the one that my dad had been emailing back and forth with. And this, and, and, uh, basically he had like defined why I hadn't been selected for Team Ontario, which were physical things like my height, my reach, whatever. And then my, he literally wrote in an email, something like, if you get results, no one can deny you. And then here I am showing up like three weeks after he just told me all the reasons why I got cut. And I'm like, hello, <laughs> um, here I am. <laughs> And uh, he was like, yeah, he's like, people got to treat you differently now. And I was just like, okay, like, I don't know. It wasn't really that big of a deal to me. I, I just still was always looking for help and support um, no matter what. But I think I was allowed to train with the provincial team after we won, but I actually got cut before the trials um, and then wasn't allowed to practice. And then after we won, they added us back in. So yeah, it's still a pretty fun summer though. Like um, we played, as we, we played all the OVAs pretty much every weekend. We would play adults. And I think at the time it was like U21 or U24 or something like that. I don't even, or maybe there wasn't U24. I can't remember. Uh, but we played every weekend as much as we could. We were training with Mark Riley. He was our, our coach that we had hired to assist us. Um, and yeah, it was fun. You started to feel like a real professional. I don't know. That U21 Worlds was my first international event and it was it was really exciting like we had a great tournament it was a lot of fun it was our first time playing internationally and like in a stadium and with people there and our family supporting us and yeah it was a really great experience um i do have a funny story though about that is that we got this is a huge shout out to freddie from overkill because we literally got nothing from volleyball canada so all you girls out there getting your lulu and whatever you know you don't know how lucky you are because we literally got nothing. We were at the airport. And you know what they did for us? They bought us two t-shirts from the airport that said Canada and had a red Canada flag on it. And I think they were like $35 each because, you know, the airport t-shirts are like super expensive. There you go. There's your team gear. Go team Canada. Literally. Um, and so I mess. this is me again, right? Like this is Tori and like, must do everything, you know? <laughs> so I messaged Freddie from Overkill and I was like, Freddie, I'm like, my partner and I just won trials. Like we have nothing that says like team Canada or whatever. And Freddie literally was like, I got you. And he gave Kayla and I shirts and sarongs and hats and 
a bunch of like gear for us to take. Um, and I still have the sarongs that he gave me from back then. And I still use them like to this day. So, you know, shout out to Overkill. <laughs> but yeah, if it wasn't for Freddie, we would have had literally no team gear. <laughs> Amazing. And I'm sure it's tough to recognize during it, but what was your first impression of the level? Because uh, I went back and looked at the results and I mean, Van Ursel won and she was a top player for the Netherlands. She might still be playing now that I think about it. Uh, Bakara from Australia went on to be Olympian. Uh, Marta Mangali was there. Uh, Summer Ross, I think she took a ninth at year a year, but I think she went on to win Youth Worlds either the next year or the yeah. year after. Um, so the, the very Marta stacked, certainly. Yeah, so Kova and Christina Kolakova and Marquetta, um, I think she won Keishu or something like later that summer at another tournament. Um, but yeah, she just had a kid. She's like making a comeback now with a new partner too. So yeah, uh, it was amazing. Like I just remember, I remember playing our first game and it felt like we belonged there. Like we had truly earned the like you know the right or the whatever you want to call it to be there. And it just felt so good. It was cool. It was cool to see that there was other people just like you from other countries. And one of the biggest things for me was I actually remember watching Marquetta and Christina because Christina was just like me. She was five foot, whatever, you know? And I'm like, holy cow, like you're really good and you're not six feet tall. I can do that. Yeah. So shortly after, obviously we've established that you're going back between indoor and beach, but it wasn't too long after that you got to go play on the world tour. And one of those events was the uh, Canadian event in Quebec city. So what was that event like? Because I just remember there were so many crazy like country quota matches where you had to like beat another Canadian team before you were even in the qualifier. And the qualifier is not really the tournament either. Cause if you lose, you make no money and get no points. Like, were you so excited to play in Canada at an international tournament or did somebody have to explain the format and you're like, what, what is happening? How many games do I have to play before I I'm in the event. Okay. So uh, this is great. I'm really glad you brought that up because I completely forgot. Um, so we basically signed up because it was in Canada <laughs> and we were like, Oh, it's a Canadian event. You know, like this will be more affordable for us. Blah, 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 blah. So uh, yeah, we had to play country quota and then there was a qualification <laughs> like normal, I guess. But the best part was that we lost in the last round. So we won our, we won the country quota. Then we had to play the qualification. We ended up losing in the last round of the qualification. I think we lost to Jamie and Ashley, I think. Anyways, whatever happened there. So, you know, Alex and I are like, well, we're out of the tournament. It was like too bad, you know. And and we end up going out for dinner. And we went out for dinner with Louise Bodden and Bakara Palmer, who were um, from Australia. And it's funny because I just saw Lou last week in Amsterdam. Um, so we talk, you know, we've talked about this in the past. It's kind of funny. And we saw each other in Rome a little bit earlier this summer too. And so we're sitting down at that dinner and I, I think their coach was there or maybe an art and maybe Mark was there. No, was Mark? Yeah. Mark was probably there. I can't remember. Anyways, we're sitting there and long story short, Lou's like, yeah, we're pulling out of the tournament because, uh, I can't remember. I think it was like maybe Bukhar's shoulder or something like that. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. I feel bad for you guys. And she's like, hey, didn't you guys play in the qualifier? And we're like, yeah. She's like, uh, you should go to the qualification meeting because you might get in. <laughs> and we were like, what? <laughs> so we literally get up from the meeting, like sprint back to the hotel room. We make it in literally at the last second. Like, so we're sitting down and I'm and I'm like sweating. We're both flushed. We're like, oh my God, there's a chance we might get in. So the guy at the front um, pulls, like puts our names into a hat because we have to lucky loser to see who gets into the main drawing. He's just pulling it out of a hat. So I'm like, you know, I'm like stargazing in this room though, because it's like, 
we were going to, as the last place, it, I, I guess I'm spoiler alert, but we end up getting our names pulled out of the hat. And I'm like, I couldn't help myself. You know, it's my first FIBB. I qualify. I'm like, whoo, you know, I'm pumped. This room, I was like freaking out. It was like April Ross, Jen Cassie. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And they were sitting right in front of us. And I, you know, I'm a little embarrassed because I just celebrated. Anyways, I think April looked back and gave me a high five. It was really cute because uh, I was so excited that we had just qualified, even if it was a lucky loser. Um, but we like, made, like you have to be in the room when they call your name to certify that it's you and to get into the tournament. And so if it wasn't for Louise Bonham, <laughs> and we never would have, you know, gotten into our first FIBB. And I guess it would have by default had gone to the other team. But yeah, it's kind of a funny story because we had to play the country quota, then the qualifier, and then we thought we were out, and then they pulled out, and then we ran back to the meeting and ended up lucky losing in. And then in the first round, we had to play Jen in April. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good experience. We got into double digits, I think, in the second set. <laughs> so what was it like going from uh, Youth Worlds, and then you played tournament in Canada, and then I see that you got to play in Hermosa at a wide open tournament, but then you'll also go to like St. Lucia, or you'll play an Orsica in Puerto Rico or Mexico. So uh, just for our listeners out here to preface it, like, not every tournament is the same and some are very well run and some are very poorly run. So what was it like being a beach athlete? Like I said, going from like uh, Quebec city, which is one of the best events ever really well organized. Like you said, there was a lot of good players there. Youth worlds are usually a good job, but then you go to an Orsica and it's like, is this a real tournament? Like there's OVAs that are more organized than Orsica sometimes. I think I participated in the best era of Orsica volleyball ever. Like point blank. Nothing was better. It was so bad, which made it so good. Like, I will cherish those memories for the rest of my life because they're just so great. Um, yeah, Norseka, when I first started playing, I don't know when the first one I ever went to was, but it's like you would go to bed at a reasonable time, not knowing what your schedule was the next day. So you were kind of stressed to go to bed because you didn't know. And they would tell you that they would like slip it under your door on a piece of paper. And you're like, I don't know. I, you know, I'm a planner. I like to have things like somewhat organized. I want to know what time I'm getting up, all that. So it was a little stressful, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty funny. Also like having conversations with refs that you don't speak the same language is also just a good time. Like, I think I got a yellow card in Cuba once. Not sure why. (laughs) I also can't speak Spanish really. So, um, yeah, there's just, Norsecos back then were just the best because they were not the most organized. We'll say that. (laughs) (laughs) So you switch partners. Like obviously you played, uh, with a few people, like, uh, I think, uh, Alex Minge, I think you played with Jackie Tate. I think you won your medal with Christina Valchek, but as far as BVB goes, I think that was the only tournament you guys played together. So how did these partnerships come together? Or like you said, you would get home from one tournament and you're like, I want to go play another tournament. Like who needs a partner? What, what events open? Like how did some of these partner changes come together? That's pretty much how it went. I, um, it, it was mostly me. I mean, I really, like I said, my parents didn't play volleyball. I didn't really have like a, a mentor besides Christine, someone that I just always text. I don't even know if I was probably texting her back then. Um, I just was like a kid from a that loved to play volleyball and couldn't stop wanting to get as much as I could out of it. And 
I wanted to find other people like me. So if it meant playing one tournament with this person and playing another tournament with this person and switching again, like I was willing to do whatever it took. The problem that I was fighting was that it's, it's a really hard sell to get people to want to play beach volleyball. If it's not serious, it's like, if, if you take like the emotion out of it, it's like, hi, would you like to fly across the world and spend $2,000 on flights and maybe $1,000 in hotel and let's say $400 on food for an experience? <laughs> like most people are like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm like, come on, it'll be so much fun. Let's do it. Like, so yeah, the partner changes were just, you know, I was always, I just had to find people that I thought would be down to kind of want to do what I wanted to do. And yeah, it, it's, I mean, I think there's a lot of value to changing partnerships and like, you know, you can learn stuff from different people, but back then I don't really know if that was really as much as it was about, uh, as much as it was about. I think now when people partner change, everyone is training independently and you can swap and it, it almost makes a bit more sense. Back then it was like convincing people. <laughs> You were like, you want to play beach volleyball. Trust me, it's good. Like, and then it was just who could afford to kind of do that. So how did the uh, Carrie Smith one come together? Because I think she grew up out east and definitely played post-secondary out there. So how did you convince her to go play, uh, well, one, move to the GTA, but then to play beach full-time? Yeah, so I love that girl. She's the best. Um, So actually, I think it was Leonard. Leonard Pratt. He... Carrie was, um, she was refing or scorekeeping or volunteering in some way out at Worlds that were in Halifax. And so she was out there doing that. And Leonard recruited her, I think, maybe from seeing her play indoor because Carrie was playing on the international team um, and then convinced her to make the switch. So I think I kind of have Leonard to thank for that. But then Carrie moved from Nova Scotia, uh, from Shubenacadie, where she's from, to Toronto and started doing like two days or three days or whatever with Leonard. And basically what happened was I knew she had, I knew she had moved to Toronto and she wanted to train full time. Obviously on paper, she was like the most, I'm like, this is someone that wants to play volleyball and that would be down with what I want to do and all that kind of stuff. Um, but where I struggled a lot was that people would be like, you're short, you know, like the national team wants me to play with people that are bigger and that are, you know, they were selecting different archetypes. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, I, I can't let that be a reason why I don't at least ask somebody who you don't know. So I remember I just kind of reached out to Carrie and I was like, Hey, um, let me know if you ever want to train or practice. Like, this is what I kind of want to do. Um, but let's try it out and see kind of how it goes. And I, we went to the center or down at Ashbridge's. I can't remember. And, um, yeah, we, I don't know. There's, I think there's, it's, it's great when you can, when you play well with someone, but I think it's even better when, when you're best friends and you, you actually like each other. And so I think because Carrie and I had that relationship with one another, it was easier for her to say yes. I don't know who she had in the back of her head, you know, steering her decision one way or the other, but she was like a top up and like, you know, up and coming athlete. And she could have probably played with anybody. So when she said that she would play with me, I was like triple pumped. Like I, I couldn't have been happier and we kind of um just wrote it out and yeah i would say like definitely one of my most successful partnerships and i'm i'm happy that our paths even crossed at all because like she's one of my best friends even till this day 
Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And obviously she got to be on the Anok Games team, but how did that tournament come together? Because uh, I think the, the Beach Games decided, okay, let's add beach volleyball. And then I think they invited some federations. And then I think with Volleyball Canada, we're like, okay, let's host a trial. So did, were you just on the website one day or like, did somebody tell you about it? Like, because obviously you got to get your own squad organized and then you got to go to the trials. Like, how did this come together? Like, how did you even know what the Anok Games were? Oh, good question. So Carrie would ask me stuff like this all the time too. Like I love volleyball. I don't think there's anyone out there that loves volleyball more than me. I know everyone's going to argue that, but, um, like Carrie would li- like, we could be playing like Carrie Walsh and Misty May. So like, I know it's a bit of a throwback and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. My-. And Carrie'd be like, who are these people? We're going to beat them or whatever. Like she wouldn't have any idea who anyone was, but I was on yeah the volleyball Canada website and I found it. And I immediately kind of, well, actually, to be honest, when I looked at the tournament, I thought there's no like prize money. There's no points. I'm like, so right off the bat, like no one that's playing full-time right now is going to want to go to this because there's no points and there's no prize money. And it might mess with other people's YTPs and stuff. So naturally I go to my five best friends that are somewhere in between all of that. And I kind of convince them to come. I think the reason um, there was a trials for men and women, but we were the only team to have signed up on the women's side. So we automatically got to go. Josh, you know, had to play the trials and he actually won the trials. But I think the reason that we got to go was because Mel and Sarah had like just won worlds. And so like, however the funding works or the ability for us to get a spot, it was results-based by our top teams. So you might have to look this up, but because Mel and Sarah won, I think that allowed the women an entry. And because Sam and Sam, missed whatever their results were the men didn't get to go so it was actually funny because josh actually played the trials of one and didn't get to go and we didn't play the trials and got to go so a little backwards of probably what you would think but um yeah that's kind of how that came to be i i like to stay up to date i'm always looking up stuff and kind of seeing what's out there and also there's like that snow volleyball stuff too i've always been interested in, in looking at that but it's just trying to convince your friends to go with you to these things that's hard. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And, and shout them out. Obviously it was you and Carrie and I think Charlotte Sider, like who else was on the squad? Kimmy Saxton, Rachel Cockrell, Megan Nash. And take me through the experience. Cause obviously you get there and I think, like you said, I don't think our current national team players were interested because it was no points and stuff, but you get there and there are world tour players from other countries, like on their roster, like there were some pretty stacked teams. And then to add in the other factor, you're in Qatar, which has a different view on treatment of women than maybe what we're used to in North America. Right. Oh yes. Um, yeah. So that was, that was, uh, one of the, well, one of the funnier things was because when I part of my pitch to the girls to getting people to want to go to this was I'm like, it's going to be so much fun. You know, it's a new format. Maybe it'll turn into an Olympic sport. I was like, um, volleyball Canada, like there's an entry for us. Like we go. So I was kind of trying to play it up in that option. And then we get there and, you know, just to explain the whole thing, like Camille lives in, um, uh, Calgary. So we never actually practiced. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie lives in Ottawa. We didn't practice. I think at the time, Megan was still here. Rachel was still here. Shara was still here. I was in Toronto as well. So the four of us were kind of trying to, you know, get something going. Uh, Rachel's like, we all have jobs. Rachel's a full-time realtor. Like her schedule, you know, it was like up and down all the time and uh, everyone was doing stuff. So it was really hard. I think we maybe practiced twice, two or three times before, but um, I was kind of training full-time that summer. I think all the other girls were like, 
working out and doing their stuff independently. So um, we met in Toronto and Carrie was there from Ottawa. So that was, you know, and that four became five. And then um, I think Camille, I think Camille flew somewhere else in medicine Qatar. So we actually ended up meeting Camille in Qatar. And then we got there a couple of days early. We got to play, but yeah, so we go to get like our accreditation. Everyone's like having, you know, a good time. We're kind of checking the venue out. And then Brazil walks by and I'm like, uh Oh, I was like, sorry, girls. I, um, I didn't realize like, you know, Barbara and Fernanda and like all these like Brazilian legends are like in this tournament. Like, uh, I kind of didn't think they would want to be here to be honest, <laughs> because like you said, there's no points and there's no prize money. So all the girls are kind of looking at me like, you said this was going to be a fun tournament. <laughs> you didn't tell us like Olympic champions were here or whatever. And I was like, I didn't think they were here. And then, you know, USA is always like, they're always good. But again, it was like, it was studs, like just a stacked team on the, on the women's side as well. Australia had like, you know, it, it, it was definitely a more a deeper tournament than I had anticipated. Um, and originally it was supposed to happen in San Diego, I think in, in uh, LA or California and then curveball like Qatar. So we were like, wow, that's like really different. Like originally we had planned for all of our like boyfriends and husbands and stuff to come to the LA one. And then as soon as it went to Qatar, they're all like, yeah, we're out. Like, that's, that's way too far. Um, and then, yeah, the women thing, it was, yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, being Canadian, we're very privileged. Um, we don't, we don't need to think or give time to a lot of that stuff because we don't live in a world like that. But yeah, it was one of the first times in my, in my life that, um, you know, you're really in a different world and it's not your world. So it's important to make sure that you are respecting the country that you're in. Um, and honestly, the, the, um, we had Timothy, we had a bunch of people, there was like a chef de mission, mission and all that kind of stuff. They did a really good job. Like when we landed, we had um, someone like greet us from Canada uh, within the whole, like uh, the team Canada kind of staff. And they kind of laid out the lay of the land for us. And it was really helpful. Um, but one thing I, like I can remember is that we were, we were, we thought we were walking to the practice sports, but we went to the wrong venue. There was two areas. One was like two different stadiums where the games are being played. And we went to the wrong one on the first day. And we were wearing those like Lululemon, like swiftly tech tees, like just like the t-shirts and shorts. Um, and I remember walking to the venue and you could feel people staring at you, which was a very interesting thing to kind of experience because I've never felt that in Canada. But then you have to remember that you're in Qatar and women are treated very differently here. Um, so we just grabbed our sarongs and wrapped them around our waist to make sure that all of our legs were covered. Um, but yeah, just a good reminder to be respectful, you know, the different, uh, countries that you're visiting and things like that, but it was, it was definitely there. Um, so if you, yeah, want to feel more comfortable and things like that, it's just important to remember to bring something with you so that you can kind of wrap up. It's, I guess it's similar to like, for religious reasons, when you go to like the Vatican or, you know, the Sistine Chapel, you're not supposed to have like your shoulders and things like that out. So it was just more palpable there than I've ever felt. And then take me through the actual competition. Because like you said, you start recognizing players. It went from being like, oh, this is like a fun four and four tournament. So like there's some international players there, but obviously you guys advance, like you're, you're playing quarterfinals, semifinals, you play for a medal at the end. Like what was that experience like as the tournament progressed? Okay. So first match, 10 a.m. in Watu. Okay. So basically 
we were doing it wrong. That was what our team decided at the end. <laughs> um, the whole Anop News was an experiment. Like, uh, you know, Josh and I are pretty big uh, film people. So I actually set up a, a camera to film our match. And then we had another camera that would film like other matches so that we could see who we were going to play and that kind of stuff. So basically what we realized, we actually lost our first match to Vinuatu. Um, and everyone was like dying 10 AM in Qatar. Like I, it's actually really, Oh, here's another couple of names for you. So I'm posting on Instagram, whatever, saying we're in Qatar. And then do you know, Josh Lichty and Meg Randall from like McMaster. So they hit me up on Instagram. They're like, Tori, we live here. And I'm like, what? <laughs> They're like, we're going to come watch your games. And I remember talking to Megs and I was like, Oh man, we had like a 10 AM game. She was like, you were outside before 4 PM. <laughs> I was like outside we were playing like we were fully playing volleyball she's like yeah that's a no like <laughs> so it was it was really like you know we definitely weren't expecting that um but we were also doing like an, a, I think we were playing more like the men's game we were doing like a triple block in the front and then we had one person in the back which was me and you know naturally all you have to do is roll over your triple block and there's a lot of court there that's open so then I filmed the other match. I think it was like USA and Czech or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, we are doing it wrong. We do not need three blockers. <laughs> so we totally revamped our defense. And then it was like smoother sailing from there. But every match we, we got better. It was really cool. We, we have never played four on four. I, I think it's more popular in the States to do that. Like they have those tournaments, like the four man or the six man stuff. Um, but it was a really cool blend of like beach and indoor but tactically, we, you just had to make certain adjustments based on, on like, I think how the majority of the women were playing the game and how we did it before with the three and the one does not, I mean, wasn't benefiting us. It was definitely more useful in the men's game. For sure. For sure. Well, I'm just looking at the clock and I've taken a lot of your time, but uh, one tradition we tried to build into the show is you've told some great stories already, but uh, mentioned you've played indoor at a high level, beach and indoor level, uh, beach fours at a high level, but uh, man, there must've been something odd or funny happen along the way. That was hoping you could just tell us a funny story before we let you go. Yeah. I mean, I naturally gravitate towards my Narsika experiences because they're just such a good time. Um, but yeah, I guess I can kind of, give you a couple so like one time Alex and I were in Mexico and we had gone out after the tournament and all the players were together and we had gone back to our hotel room to sleep for the night and we knew we were leaving the next day um and then I guess at some time in the early morning my friend from Trinidad is like coming into our room and like knocking on our door and she's like Tori Tori she's like the bus is leaving and I was like what do you need like where is the bus going and she's like to the airport but we were told it wasn't leaving until like later, but they had decided to randomly switch when the bus was leaving without telling anybody. So if it wasn't for my friend Ayana, we would have been stuck in Mexico. Um, so that was always a good time. And then, you know, got to have friends in all over the place or else. <laughs> um, and then my other favorite Norsica story was, I think it was Puerto Rico, could have been Guatemala, not sure, but the tournament got delayed a little bit because of the weather. And we had to then play into the nighttime. So, you know, you need lights at night in order to play and see in the darkness. Um, but somebody at Norseka decided to do two things. One, and I, I can probably relate to Snake on this one, is that they brought a car right up to the court and just turned the car on so that the headlights kind of provided some light, I guess, from the waist down. I don't know. <laughs> and then secondly, I kid you not, they brought in strobe lights. 
not just like black and white strobe lights, but like pink, blue, purple <laughs> lights. Um, and they weren't even solid. They were coming off and on. So you would like go up to hit or whatever and you'd see the ball and then it would just disappear. So that was, you know, it's pretty funny when you're playing because you're used to blocking out all these like distractions, but I, that was a very <laughs> difficult distraction on many levels. And it almost felt, you, you felt weird for being like, how is this okay? You know, like, should this, this is so such a distraction that it shouldn't be allowed, but hey, Narcika, so uh yeah those are some i guess some crazy stories but yeah kids today you know they have to appreciate what they have you grew up in an era of like ncaa beach wasn't a thing you make team canada you don't get a t-shirt you play in strobe lights at an international tournament like uh you really paved the way here that these kids will never really understand i hope they don't have to experience the strobe light thing but maybe some other things they should have to go through i just remembered that one time i helped arnaldo complete the draw um yeah I, I like that kind of stuff. I see it all happen. You know, I can see all the brackets and whatever. And they were kind of having crazy. Tori, come on up here. All right. No problem. I was like, I can make the draw whatever I want right now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I hope it's come further along, but um, they're just good times, good stories, but totally different than the world tour. That's for sure. Did they at least have the seedings or like you literally put everything together into like pools and what the playoff format was going to be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at an international tournament <laughs> good times i tell you i'm a bad liar so i'm actually a good person to kind of do that stuff but i think it was because um you know when i think it must have been puerto rico but you know how like there was four like this was the dilemma there was four pools but they had five puerto rico teams <laughs> ah. so where do we put the other puerto rico team? <laughs> well you know, there is a logical way to think about this, but <laughs> <laughs> no, just panic. But, panic. Yeah. Something I just want to say though, I don't know where, if you want to, where you want to, you know, put it, but for me, like, I just, if, if this helps one person, because I think like volleyball Canada has come a long way. And I think that, um, you know, especially in Canada that, I can remember from my first worlds when I went there and saw other people that looked like me doing what I wanted to do at a high level. I think Volleyball Canada is getting a lot better at this, but you know, I, I don't want anyone to think just because they're a smaller athlete that they cannot be successful in the sport. I think that there are lots of ways to be successful. It just might not look like what everyone else is doing. And that's okay. Because I think there's more people now to support people like that. Um, and I, you know, just because it wasn't really like that when I went through it doesn't mean that it has to be like that for everybody else. because it's just, it's such a good sport, right? It, I think it attracts the best kind of people. And I think that's half the reason why I like coaching so much now to try to give back in that sense of like what I learned to athletes, no matter how big or small they are. But I don't want people to feel like their height is something that stops them from being able to do what they want to do. So I think it's just knowing the right people and having the right kind of coaches that can support you through that. Um, obviously there's advantages to height for sure, but there's just a lot of other aspects to the game that I think, you know, everyone could benefit from, but I just don't, yeah, I don't want anyone else to kind of feel like that um, without at least having tried to seek support from some other places. Yeah. Well said. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for all that you shared today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this was fun. I'm glad that we finally got around to this. (laughs) 